0: Good morning, online audience. Good morning, Summit Church. We're gonna start in just a few minutes. Hey, I just wanted to welcome you all to our online audience and the the church here. A um, couple important announcements. Make sure and share this feed with someone online. Pastor Wayne H on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those places. And on August first, we are getting ready for back to school. Can you believe it? School is going to start in just a few short weeks. We're doing a Teacher Appreciation Day on Sunday, August first. We're calling it Backpack Sunday. We want to get about 20 backpacks and fill it with school supplies for the kids especially here in Sedalia so if you want to be a part of that backpack drive and show teachers appreciation if you know a teacher get them here on that Sunday we want to pray over all the teachers and over all the students as they go back to school for this school year but this starts our five-minute countdown before worship today so get your Bible get you get a pen get a notebook grab a friend we're gonna start worship in five minutes five minutes everybody grab your coffee take a potty break and let's get ready we're gonna sing in about five minutes doing good? You ready to worship the Lord today? Yes, are you still sleepy from the big holiday weekend last weekend? Want to stand with us. We got, I'm going to teach one that's like an, an old one but a new one to some of you. It's called Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we get to the middle of the song, there's a spot where I say where the Spirit of the Lord is and you guys shout,
1: there is freedom.
0: Let's practice it real quick. Ready? Where the spirit of the Lord is,
1: there is freedom.
0: Okay, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. (laughs) To be sad, you're at the wrong church. You came to the wrong church. But if you came in sad, hopefully you're gonna leave glad in Jesus' name. Let's let's open with prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you that he whom the Son sets free, Lord, that's you, is free indeed. And we thank you that your freedom was, was purchased at a high price by your blood. Because of that amazing grace, we can walk in your grace and mercy and truth. Enjoy and have that strength that comes from Your joy. So bless everything we sing and everything we say and do today, Lord, as we study the Scriptures. In Jesus' name.
1: No wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found Was blind, but now I see T'was grace, t'was grace that taught (laughs) you <laughs>
2: Good morning, Summit Church. Glad to see you're all here online, in person. Love it, gotta love it. Gotta love what God is doing. You know, just uh, singing these songs, God's grace is amazing, huh? If there wasn't his grace, we'd be in a whole lot of hurt. That is a fact. And you know, every time seems like every single time i read the bible i get encouraged uh, i think that's kind of like god's way you know keep us going through this backbiting world <laughs> uh the verse i'm going to read today the highlighted verse in the one year bible is from psalm 9 verse 9. the lord is a shelter for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble those who know your name, trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, do not abandon those who search you. Key word, search. Thank God. This is the word of our Lord. Of God. Yeah. Thanks,
0: Tim. Awesome. This is an oldie but a goodie. It's one of my favorites. Any blues lovers out there? Anybody love blues musicians? I watched Johnny Lang at the, at the Paramount Theater a few years ago in the middle of a, of a blues set break into this worship song and I I love it and you many of you know it mm-hmm.
1: sweet, sweet sound in me.
0: and that worship you to open the scriptures and learn more about you thank you God that you're bigger than everything we face every problem every fear every obstacle that we, you truly do set us free from every situation thank you God that you're the one who can quell all controversy and bring the joy and love of the kingdom so bless our study now as we get into it. In Jesus name Amen. amen. Well, will you take a minute real fast Pop up, wave at somebody, give someone a fist bump. If you're online, share this link with a friend or you can do the Bible study here in just a minute. on the online audience. You can support our ministry in three different ways. Go to mysummitchurch.com, click the donate button, or you can text your gift to 303-624-9434 and enter the amount of your gift and press send. Follow the prompts using your smartphone and 100% of what you give by text will go to the ministry. Or you can mail your gift to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Thanks for joining us today. We're gonna get into our scripture study in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, going through, uh, verse, through chapter 12 today. So turn in your Bibles, we're gonna get the study. Greet someone online, share this link with a friend. We're gonna get into it. That's what those magnets are for, right? was good. Nice set. That's
1: okay. All right. Johnny,
0: if you'll send... I know you guys are signed up on the record. If you'll send that around, that'd be great.
1: It's the text alerts
0: for church. All right. So glad. So glad you're joining us. I'm not going to use this. I think you can hear me. You can hear me in the back row, right? If I just talk yeah. real loud. Yeah. Yes. Good. All right. Turn. Oh, that's true. Maybe I'll. You're right. You're right, Anita. I'll do that. But how? How many prefer air conditioning with a microphone than no air conditioning without a microphone? Right. I think we can handle the microphone. That's good. It's been a while since I preached with the mic. So if I start acting like a stand-up comic, you just stop me right in the middle, okay, everybody? Uh, But turn in your Bible with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I've titled my message today, Diffusing Controversies. I'm going to lower this so I'm not in the field of view.
1: There
0: you go. And Diffusing Controversies, you know that there's a lot of controversies in the church today? You know there's a lot of controversies in the world today? on social media, in the political realm, all those places. How many you know that we are not called to controversy as Christians, right? We're not supposed to be the crusaders for one political party or another. Jesus did not declare his political affiliations. He paid his taxes, but he didn't declare a political affiliation. He says, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God the things that belong to God. In other words, some of these things Truly spiritual people, huh. let, the other, let the other folks worry about those things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of men. Amen? And so it's learning to pick your battles, the things that are important. Certainly there, there are issues of morality that we need to take a stand on. But that should not be the central focus of our lives. As Christians, the focus of our lives ought to be Christ. It ought to be the Bible. That ought to be showing love to, to those who, who are feeling marginalized or those who are innocently suffering, to, to be there to alleviate difficulties for people, to be Jesus' living hands and feet, to be his love extended into a hurting world. And that compassion is not limited to one particular political party. We Christians ought to be bigger than all that. Amen, somebody. Right? Okay, good. So we're going to be studying 1 Corinthians And we've been going through a chapter and verse. You guys enjoyed July 4th? It was totally different. We slept in on July 4th, and we had our Bible study around the fire last week. That was kind of fun. Prayed for all the states that we were from, and that was wonderful. And um, there's a few things I just want to make you aware of. Some of you heard me talk about it already. Backpack Sunday is August 1st. We're going to be trying to load up at least 20 backpacks for kids that need school supplies, underprivileged kids here in Douglas County, and trying to kind of reach out to Sedalia Elementary School and any teachers that we might know we'd love to pray just a blessing over them for the new school year. Any homeschoolers that you know, any moms that have become a, a school teacher during the pandemic, we wanna pray for them and just pray a blessing over the kids in the new school year. Also check your calendar, write this down on your calendar. We're gonna be launching the Alpha Course Invitation September 16th. That is the second Thursday after Labor Day. So the the international invitation for the Alpha Course is going to be on that September the 16th. So lots and lots of people are going to be starting the Alpha Course at that time. Some of you have done that with me before, but actually we got kind of paused in the middle of the Alpha Course because of the global pandemic. Um, so we may do it at Mayo Cafe, we may do it here, we may do it at Wide Open Saloon, any, I'm not sure where we're going to have it, we're still thinking about venues and where, you know, people who are not churched might be interested in the Alpha Course. But if you're not sure what the Alpha Course is, it's a 10 week study in the meaning of life, asking and answering the big questions about who is God? Who is Jesus? Why should I read the Bible? Why should I pray? What's, what's my purpose in life? And a lot of people, whether they're believers or spiritual or not, are asking those
1: questions.
0: And I do the Bible has a lot to say about that. The church has a lot to say about that. And so the Alpha Course is there not for people who want to debate, but for people who just want to ask questions and have a discussion around what is my purpose? What what does God want for my life? And it's a good question for a Christian to ask too, by the way. And go back to first things and first principles and go, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is what it's all about. It's about knowing God. It's about Jesus. It's about having my sins forgiven. It's about being used by Him to bring His light to a dark world. And so mark your calendar for that. Normally it's about an 8-10 to 10 week course. So based on... Um, format and location we'll probably run about a nine-week course and try to do a weekend away so it's kind of like a little friday saturday retreat that we do in the middle of the retreat on the sessions where we talk about the holy spirit we invite the holy spirit to come and fill us and to use us and to for god to to show himself to us and you know how many know that when you invite god into your life he shows up have you ever noticed that like people who are not seeking god will never find him But if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. Because he's not far away. He's always trying to make himself known. And that's why Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door, not might be, the door will be opened. So God is just waiting for, for you to go... Okay, Lord, I surrender. I'm ready. I'm ready to do things your way. And so we we love to get more people in on that. And a lot of times people just have a, just a, a mindset where there's a one big thing they're struggling with that's keeping them from stepping over the line of faith. And what, that's what's so great about the Alpha Course is we, we really go after those difficult questions that, that people who aren't Christians will ask. And hopefully you can... Uh, make the path easier for those who might want to come to the Lord so let's get into our study first Corinthians chapter 8 Paul begins to talk about food sacrifice to idols now this is an important teaching because in Corinth most of the church were Gentiles they had come out of idolatry in the temple of Diana or the, the various pagan temples there was temple prostitution they would sacrifice animals to the, the pagan deities um and then they they would the priest of that temple would take the meat that was left at the altar and they would sell it in the marketplace at a discounted price how many of you, how many of you like to buy buy meat at the manager's special at king supers anybody you know i love cheap meat now i want my wife I always like you better cook it today but i'm like i love the cheap meat and so that was their discount manager's special back in the day in the new testament uh, it was If it came from the temple, it might have been sitting there at the altar for a little while, but they would sell it at a discount in the meat market. So that's you know, oftentimes, hey, I got a deal on this sausage, you know, I got a deal on the steaks here. And, uh, and so there was a controversy among the church, especially amongst Jewish people, like, where did this meat come from? Where did you get this meat before I eat this meat? Was it sacrificed to an idol? Did it come from the temple? Is this kosher meat that we're eating? Right? There was a lots of questions amongst the Christians that were meeting at homes uh, and going, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to eat any meat because I can't trust where it came from. And of course, Greek Christians, they had no compunctions about that. They're like, well, this is just meat. And now that I'm a Christian, Diana's not even a real goddess anyway. It's not a real god. They don't really exist. So it's not like this meat was really sacrificed to a true deity. So they had no moral obligations or moral feelings about eating know the, the sausage that came from the temple but the Jews of course did so there's a lot of controversy about it so Paul says this now regarding your question about the food that's been offered to idols yes we know that we all have knowledge about this issue but while knowledge makes us feel important ooh, knowledge makes us feel important does that sound like social media today <laughs> research it Google it right While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. It's love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So, what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God, and there's really only one God. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and earth, but some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there's one God, the Father, to whom all all things were created and for whom we live. There's one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that's been offered to idols, they think of it as worshiping real gods and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. We don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you, with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to idols? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin uh, and when you sin against another believer by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. So if I, what I eat causes any other believer to sin, I will never eat meat again, as long as I live. If I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Paul is saying, I have to defer to the conscience of others. I shouldn't allow my freedom to be an opportunity to cause one of my brothers or sisters to stumble. I need to be careful about how I walk, what I say, how I behave, how I talk to people. Because not everyone might believe the same things that I believe or have the same liberties that I feel like I have in Christ. So I have to be careful. We talked about this last week, when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to uh, overeating, when it comes to certain decisions you might make with your entertainment choices. Various Christians fall in different places when it comes to this controversy. We have to be careful about not putting ourselves in a place that would cause a weaker brother to stumble. So controversy number one is the food sacrificed to idols, and that's chapter eight. And he spends the whole chapter talking about that. We get to chapter nine, and Paul has already kind of alluded to it already, that I'm putting others before myself. Second controversy is this, is rights versus responsibilities. That's a discussion we're having in culture right now. I demand my rights, but I don't want to be responsible for anything. And I don't want to have to pay for anything. I don't want to have to make any investment. I just want stuff, but I don't want to have to pay for anything. But right, come on, right? have you noticed? Rights versus responsibilities. Like a Christian in the early church was saying, Well, I'm, I'm free to do anything. Jesus washes away all my sins. Not, you know, it's not through my performance. It's not through my religiosity. It's just by simple believing and trusting in the Lord. I'm free. I can do anything I want to do. Well, that's true to a degree. But just because you're free to do everything doesn't mean everything that you do is going to be helpful for you. And it's certainly not going to help a weaker brother. Right? So the second controversy is what are your rights versus your responsibilities? You have the right to do anything you want, of course. But is it responsible to
1: do whatever you want?
0: Probably not. So Paul starts this chapter this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Am I not a slave? Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think that I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. He said, Look, you became a Christian because I came and preached the gospel to you in Corinth. The only reason you know anything about Jesus is because I sat down and taught you the scriptures. So, these Judaizers that want to come in and say you have to obey the law and you have to, do, to convert to Judaism before you can be a Christian, no, no, no. And they're saying, I'm not an apostle? Are you kidding me? I'm the one who brought you to Jesus. I'm the one who taught you the scriptures. And what I'm telling you, it's. It's justification by faith through grace. It's not through earning it. And yet, don't use your freedom as an excuse to cause someone else to stumble. I have to put the needs of someone else before my own. That's what it, that Jesus did. He didn't consider his own comfort. He didn't even consider his own godhood. He laid all that aside to become a servant, to become a slave, and to die a sinner's death on a cross in your place and in my place. So if Jesus laid down his rights and took up the responsibilities of the sins of the world, how could we do any less? We're supposed to do the same thing, put aside our own rights, take up the responsibilities of being a servant in the kingdom of God. That's how we really become disciples of Christ. Here's what Paul says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings in the same way the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. And he's making making a case. He's saying Christian workers, people who do the work of the ministry, whether it's church planting or taking the gospel to a a, a nation that hasn't heard it before, they deserve pay. They deserve to earn their wages from what they're doing because what they're doing is important. And so... He, he kind of he talks about he, he's glad that he's never been able he's never had to take an offering because he's always been able to make money on the side he was a tent maker he had his own little side business he never had to receive an offering because he needed it he was independently wealthy in some ways but not every Christian worker has that privilege not every Christian ha- worker has made that decision he says even though verse verse twenty nine he says even though I'm a free man with No, master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I, too, lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I, too, live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law... Of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness for all I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. Paul says the highest good here is to put the needs of others before myself. And to, to cross the cultural bridge of whoever I'm with so they'll understand the love of God and that they would know Christ. And we, we Christians need to do the same thing. We're like, well, I don't like hanging out with those kinds of people. Well, maybe just try it. Maybe just you know bridge the gap a little bit and hang out with ordinary folks that you normally wouldn't hang out with and just see what happens. When you are the, the salt and the light in a situation, and a believer. And of course, don't put yourself in a position where you might be overly tempted to sin or to go back, to go backwards in your Christian life. But if you know that you're standing firm in your faith, don't be afraid to hang out with people who aren't like you, who don't have the same skin color as you, or from the same socioeconomic background as you, or not the same political affiliation as you. This, just hang out with people and get to know people. And figure out oh this is how they talk this is how they behave this is what they think this is what they value it's amazing what you can learn just by hanging out with folks it really is reminds me of when i did i've done lots of missionary work in the philippines and we would have interrupters they're called interpreters but i would go and preach in schools and in churches and they called us. we are your interrupters and but interpreters is what they meant And at night, we would hang out with the Filipino pastors. They were like, Pastor, have you tried balut? I go, I don't don't know what balut is. He goes, oh, you will like it very much. And I go, we call it the 100-year-old egg. And it's actually a chicken embryo that is fermented over a year. And it's a delicacy in Filipino culture. And they love to watch Westerners eat them for the first time. Get a little crunch, crunch, and a little, mm, ooh, wow. It's kind of like eating chicken, but it's an egg that's got the embryo, and yeah. Wow. Right? Like, we all, all of our cultures, we have different things that we are into. Like, maybe in Colorado, we have the green chili cheeseburger. Right? And you bring someone who's not into spicy food, hey, try the green chili cheeseburger, smothered in pork green chili. It's so good. Right? We have our things. And believe me, it's way better than balut, but. <laughs> We have to make cultural connections with people. Understand them and allow them to understand you. And the love of Christ transcends cultural boundaries and barriers. And as we let the love of God transcend them, build bridges, people understand the love of God. But this is important. What are you saying? What she's saying is important. They were willing... To travel halfway across the globe to come and meet me, or to come across the street and hang out with people they're not they're not like at all. Right? And we Christians need to make the first move. Brother, well I'll I'll be friendly if they reach out. No, no. You make the first move. You make the decision, well, I'm gonna put my hand out. I'm gonna say hello. I'm gonna take the initiative. Is that something that Paul did? He just walked into a town, come to the marketplace. Hey, I got good news, everybody. You wanna hear good news? Yeah, I want to hear good news. It's from Jerusalem. There's this guy, his name is Jesus. He was the very son of God. He died on the cross. And then God raised him up to new life. Because he lives, we get to live, and all of our sins are forgiven. What are sins? Well, sins are the bad things that you do that God doesn't like. Oh, and you can have that forgiven. Really? Just by believing? Yeah. Wow, that is good news. (laughs) Right? That's, That's Paul would just go and do that again and again and again we're called to do the same thing. That this message of the gospel would be on our lips, in our hearts. We would, we would be owning that message. Oh, nice. Very good.
2: I'm
3: so
0: You're good. We're, we like the cool air. That's good.
2: I'm
3: trying
0: to get to everyone but me. <laughs> okay, nice. Let's get to chapter 10 here. Chapter 10, he talks about learning lessons from Israel's idolatry. And the third controversy is liberty versus legalism. Liberty versus legalism. Paul says, I don't want you to to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about your ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us. So that we would not crave evil things as they did. Or worship idols as some of of them did. He says we have to learn the lessons of the past. Learn the lessons of people who said they believed in God. But they started following after their own way. They started trying to make their own way to God. They started crafting their own idolatry. You know that you can turn Christianity into idolatry? You know you can turn your your denomination into your version of Christianity into something that's more important than Jesus? You realize that, right? Man's religion can become more important than an actual relationship with Christ himself. Your way of doing church, your method of preaching style or music or any cultural ism can become more important than the person of Jesus himself. We've seen it all the time. Lots of denominations are built on their way of doing Christianity.
1: I tell you, there's really just one way, and it's
0: written in this book. It's pretty plain. It's just love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. Right? Love God. Love people. If you're not loving God and you're not loving towards people, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. That's, that's really hard to take, right? Because we want, just by our very nature, we're religious. We love to make it black and white and be able to say, you're in and you're out and it's my way or the highway and it's this and it's that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not the judge. Neither are you. There's only one who is. Whew. We have to begin to say, okay, God, I want to I plant myself in your truth and let your spirit live inside of me. And let you transform my hard heart into a soft heart. So that when you speak, I listen. And I want to obey. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what other, uh, others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted... It doesn't say if. It says when you are tempted, he will show you the way out so that you can endure. Now, see, there's a lot of people that have heard the cliche, God will never give you more than you can handle. How many know that's wrong? Because you've experienced it yourself. God always gives you more than you can handle. Are you kidding me? That's the only way that you're going to turn to him. You're like, God, I can't handle this. I know. Come to me. But, the promise that we have is we're never going to be tempted beyond what we can stand. So we're really without an excuse. He's always going to provide a way out from under the temptation so that we can endure in our faith. It doesn't say we'll never be, we'll have more than we can handle. I think most days, a lot of us have more than we can handle a lot of times. That's why we need God so much. That's why we need to have a quiet time and to pray. That's why we need a church family. That's why we need to have a life that's surrendered to him and go, Lord, wow, whew, a whew, lot of pressure today, Lord. I need your help today more than ever before. And how many of know he's there for you? He's there for you. Now, it might be just a sliver past what you need when the temptation comes, but he's always going to give you just enough to get out of that and move on to the next thing. Amen! Isn't that a good promise? I love it. I love it. And so Paul continues this whole idea of the that's happening in the church about meat offered to idols and idol worship and doctrines of demons, and you don't want to you don't want to partner up with idolatry because you don't want to eat at the same table with demons. Because if there were any manifestations in the, the temples of Diana and these other pagan gods, it was a demonic manifestation. It was something devilish going on, something not from the kingdom of God. You know, you know the enemy has signs and wonders too? You understand that, right? The enemy can do can do miracles as well. And so I think a lot of it is fakery, but there's also a genuine demonic force out there that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy and and uh wreak havoc on humanity. And so he, he continues this whole idea. So so do we think that we're stronger than than he is? He says Verse 23 of chapter 10, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want, if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Then don't eat it out of the consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give an offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they may be saved. And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Paul says, I'm mindful of who is with me And what their spiritual condition might be. And what may be offensive or not offensive to them culturally or even spiritually. I don't think about just what I want. I think about what what do the people need that are near me. Does that make sense? If we begin to put God first and others before ourselves, that's how the kingdom moves forward. Right? Then it's not all about me. It's all about him. And it's all about what he's trying to do to help the people around me. And somehow when I refresh others, my needs automatically get met. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed, is what the Bible says. Then he goes on to talk about public worship. He gives instructions for public worship in 1 Corinthians 11. And he's speaking about uh, women wearing head coverings and uh, sort of the, the cultural isms that were going on in the day. And in my study Bible here, it talks a little bit about men and women and God in the, in the local church and what to wear on the first day of the week or what to wear on Sundays. And many of the Greek women would go in with their heads uncovered. Very, it was very uh, fashionable in Roman culture and in pagan culture then for them to have adorned hair, you know, uh, hair up or braided or, you know, put in such a way that they had earrings and necklaces and would show their flare and their flash. And Jewish women mostly would have their heads covered with a veil, or even a veil over their face if they were very devout or orthodox. And some of that's still true today. But he was saying, be careful, again, same thing about not being offensive during worship. Being mindful of each other culturally. The Corinthian culture was far less structured, so Paul addressed the gender-based questions about what was appropriate and what was not. His instructions for women concerning head coverings and hair lengths was primarily a cult, was cultural in nature. But they also raised important issues about male-female distinctions. It was important for women to show proper respect for their husbands and for God. And Paul's central argument was that though men and women are dependent on one another, God created them differently and gave men a, a certain kind of spiritual preeminence. Where, what are we to make of these comments? Well, we cannot just toss, toss out the passage of the New Testament. Various Christian groups have come to various understandings in many cases uh, after heated discussions. At the very least, we can affirm that there are important God-given differences between men and women that should be honored. We can agree that Christians should respect some cultural conventions so as not to cause scandal. And we can take note of an important fact underlying Paul's instructions. Women are allowed to pray or prophesy in the church just as men are. Our common ability to approach the throne of God is a, is a privilege which men and women alike should be grateful for. In other words, this passage talking about head coverings and it's shameful for a man to have long hair and a lot of these things, they were cultural to the Corinthians and it was, just, it was an area of tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. But we have similar things here in our culture too. If, for instance, let's say we have a, a young lady that came in with a hiked up miniskirt and you can see her panties and she's trying to worship. How I many of that would be sort of offensive? You would say, hey, could you, could you just pull it down a little bit? Or uh, could you be careful about, you know, could you just bring up your top just a little? This is, this is a little distracting, right? That if someone is behaving in such a way that they become a distraction to worship or a distraction to the people around them, what they're doing is culturally inappropriate. Right? Amen? <laughs> well, that might be difficult. You're like, well, but everybody's welcome. Yes, everyone is welcome. But at the same time, none of us should take the focus off of God when we're in a corporate worship environment. Amen? So that's 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 the kind of the guide. That's sort of the line. And so Paul was saying to the Greek women, hey, you know, you, you're really offending our Jewish believers because you're just kind of... Flaunting all of your stuff. Just 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 for the time during church, just cover your head during that time. Because it, it's very it's very offensive to our Jewish believers that you don't cover head, your, your head when you pray. And it was more of a cultural struggle within the church. We don't have those struggles now per se. And there's there's plenty of Bible that you could argue about why men should still uncover take their hat off in church, because an uncovered head for a man is Showing that hey, I'm I am no, there's nothing between me and God. I stand before God naked, unashamed, not hiding anything before the Lord. And when a woman covers her head, she's saying I'm under cover. I'm under the authority of my husband or my father or under my under the covering of my heavenly Father. That, that's just a cultural statement you can make with those. But again, we in America, we don't there's not been a lot of teaching about that. So it doesn't mean those things. To to most Americans it's not disrespectful to most Americans you know most back I think back in the 40s and 50s, you know When people didn't take their ball cap on and put their hand over the heart during the pledge of allegiance or during the national anthem at a baseball game You know people would be culturally shamed for that, but we don't have that happening so much anymore We've we've kind of lost some of those cultural um, expectations so I think those things are less of a distraction, even though it's sad that we've lost some of the respect. Um, We just have to minister in the culture that we're in, within the context of what's truly happening, not the way we wish the world was, amen? See, a lot of Jewish people just wanted to make all the Greeks turn into Jews. Well, you're not gonna turn all the Greeks into Jews. (laughs) That's not necessary anyways, right? That's not how you're saved anyways. So, you gotta let some of your cultural preferences go. You go, well, but like, you're in know music. You're like, oh, I don't really like those drums in church. Well, I'm sorry, but that's kind of the cultural language of the day. That's Listen to any radio station, there's drums on the radio. Whether it's country or gospel or bluegrass or you name the genre, right? You just gotta get past some of your cultural hangups and style preferences you go, it's no, not for me, but that's okay. You know, God can use it. God is using it. Amen? Ooh, see, I'm, um, I know I'm hitting it now. I know I'm hitting it because it's getting quiet. And it's, uh, it's like this, I made this little firecracker. It says controversy on it. And you know what Paul was doing with all of this? He was defusing the controversy people are lighting these controversial bombs in the church and he's going no we're going to snip that in the bud we're going to snip that off we're going to defuse that controversy put god first put the needs of others before yourself don't argue about these things because they're not that important amen so we have to do the same thing in our day but a lot of people want to argue things pro-vax anti-vax republicans democrats anti-trump pro-trump blah 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 blah, blah, blah. come on right let it go, people. Jesus is Lord, and that's what matters. right? The love of God, the kingdom of God. Let all that other stuff go. In the end, it's all going to burn. None of it's going to matter. When we're standing in the presence of God, we're not even going to remember our politics. It's going to be like, what
1: are we arguing about again?
0: <laughs> what, was, what was happening then? That's crazy. I can't believe we spent years fighting about that. God is so much bigger than our controversies. So, he finishes the chapter, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't just do what's best for you, do what's good for others. Chapter 11, speaking of public worship, we covered the head coverings, we covered the cultural isms there, and he speaks about the order at the Lord's Supper, about the communion table. And what was kind of happening with the early church, they wouldn't just have like a little dish with a little square wafer in a communion cup. They would actually have what they called love feasts. They they would have a giant meal, and they would all eat like a potluck in the early church. And the problem is that people, if they brought a really good dish, they didn't really want to share it. They just wanted to bring it to the potluck, right? And they would hoard all their good food, and then all the poor people wouldn't get to eat any of the food. And they would just scarf down all the food before someone else could eat it. Remember you've been at a church picnic where the guy ate all the good hot dish? Anybody? Ate all the good stuff. That was happening on a large scale with the church. And this was supposed to be the Lord's Supper, where we share the common grace of the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus. There are people who weren't even able to partake because Christians were resources. But why are you doing that? This doesn't reflect the love of God at all. So he, he chastises them over that and even says that some of you are getting sick because there's a judgment on the church because of you being undisciplined in this way. So verse 33 says, So if your brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home. <laughs> so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about other matters after I arrive. And I'm going to land it here in verse 12. In chapter 12, it speaks about spiritual gifts. And this, this is, gets to the good stuff. In the next two weeks, we talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And next week, we're going to cover my very favorite chapter, in the New Testament, the love chapter. And so he says, you know, God has made the church diverse. There's all kinds of different people. There's wealthy. There's poor. There's intelligent. There's simpletons. There's all kinds of people. And they're all loved by God. They're, Jesus died for all of them. And because God gives us different kinds of people, he puts different kinds of gifts within the church. In verse 4 of chapter 12, he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. That spiritual gift is given to each so that we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, to another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Which actually, what, six weeks ago, Lord, I got a message in tongues and interpretation. It was a word of knowledge and it's shared right here in the Sunday morning. It's in a prime example of it happening here in our church. So the same Spirit gives great faith to another, to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. See, that flies in the face of our American consumerism, right? Right? Okay, what gift do I want from the Lord? Lord, what I want is... he's like, no, 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 no. I decide what gift you get. You don't decide what gift I give you. Right? (laughs) Learning to trust God to go, okay, Lord, I'll receive whatever gift you want to give. And he's going to craft those gifts based on your talent, your experience, your position in life, relationship that you have, and where you're positioned in the world to make a difference for other people. It's not for you to determine, it's for him to determine. And he goes on to talk about that we're a church of one body with many parts. We're not all the ear, we're not all the hands, we're not all the eyes, right? One body has many different parts and every part is needed in the body. And so he says in verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some parts of the, that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? These are rhetorical questions. The answer is no. <laughs> right? Do we all have the
1: gift of healing?
0: Do we all have the ability to speak in languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret other languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you the way of life that is best of all. And we'll pick up with First Corinthians 13 next week. And it's one that I quote and say just about every wedding that I officiate. Well, the gospel is so powerful. It really does change your life. If you submit your life to Him. He's he's an infinitely personal God. There's a man who was a contemporary of Billy Graham. His name is Layton Ford. And he said this powerful thing about faith and about God doing His work. He says the key word here is faith. God is going to do His work in His way, in His time, and will use our witness as He wants. If If we really believe this, we won't manipulate people or play on their emotions. We won't try to persuade people in a way that restricts their freedom. We won't seduce people for Christ by getting them to make the right decision for the wrong reason. We will urge people lovingly, but we won't push people who are not ready. We will watch for God's moments. We will introduce everybody we can, but we will force no one. No, God doesn't force himself on people. So we as a church should not force our, our, ourselves on people. We should not take the gospel and shove it down people's throats. We just need to inform them about the love of Jesus and when they're ready, pray that God shows us the moment where they're ready to cross the line and say yes. You could be watching on the feed here today on our various social platforms. Maybe you come in the room today. You finally got it. Like, whoa, something clicked. Like, I think... I think I need Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? I just have a feeling there's a few people that are ready to finally cross the line of faith. The gospel is so simple. G, God created us to be with Him. O, our sins separate us from God. S, sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. P, paying the price for my sin sin, Jesus died, and he rose again. E, everyone who trusts in Christ can have eternal life. And L, life eternal begins the moment I say yes to Jesus, and that's for all eternity. If you need to say yes to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up and say, today's my day, I need to cross the line of faith and say yes to him. If you're online, would you give me a thumbs up, or a like, or a comment and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus today? the most powerful thing you can do. Church, let's pray this prayer of commitment to Christ for those who may be praying it for the first time. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures, please come into my heart. Be my Savior. and Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So glad you came today. can't wait to preach on the love chapter next week. It's going to be one of my favorites. And uh, yes, happy summertime. Glad you came to worship with us today. It's starting to heat up in here, isn't it? Yes. It's nice, though. Ron, you're doing a nice job at Swamp Cooler. We're figuring it out over there. Um, but yeah, if you want to support the ministry, you can just hit the little donation box in the back or grab some resources in, in the back that helps the ministry continue. It's been a good summer here so far, and we are looking at the transition into fall and the ministry things that maybe happen as we enter into the new school year and the people who might be trying to reach or outreach ideas that may be doing. Yes, Johnny, you got to get back to school now. So I know, it's so hard for everybody. Why don't you stand with me and I'll give you the blessing and we'll get out of here. Thank you, God, for your word and your presence. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. May He be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord, everybody. Glad you came today. Take care. Have a wonderful week. I know. I know, I say Thank you. That was an awesome, awesome sermon. Thanks, Lisa. Good. But well, there's so
1: much controversy in that, in that passage.
3: Thank you so much for joining us today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.